T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sup. Sup, sup. Hey, uh, do me a favor, guys, as we start today, because... Um, I want to do a little test, if you don't mind. Our phone, our power went out, and the folks here are working really hard to fix it. I love them for it. But I want to see if the phones... Do you mind? I'm going to just try this out, see if the phones are working. Because uh, obviously we get calls and guests. I have my man here, one of my closest friends, quite frankly. Just uh, It's kind of serendipitous that he's in the studio, which is a blessing because uh, we are having some power issues. And I don't want to spend much time on the fact that we have a power outage. It's not a big deal because we have lights on in here. But I want to see if the phones work. So 866. I'm serious. I'm not joking. You know I'm a clown. But I'm serious about this. 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. Just call Michael. And, uh, if you can right now, I want to see if we have phone service. We'll make it either way. As you know, I can talk to him. Not able to talk anymore. And uh, I'm cool with that too. 866-391-1020. Give us a call. See if I want to see if the phones work. Um, so much going on uh, in D.C., so much going on in America involving law enforcement, politics, um, Capitol Police, uh, black versus white. And uh, quite frankly, uh, one of my boys, as I say, we're, we're family uh, by now. We've, we've been so close for so long, is uh, Ron Layton. And he just happens to be in town, and I asked him to come into the studio today. How are you, my man? Marty, I'm good. Thanks for having me back on KDKA. Well, um, well, whoa, power just power just went out again. It's crazy. Is he saying they're working? Oh, cool. So they're working, Michael? All right. Folks, I love you all. You're the best. The phones are working. I appreciate it. So in case you don't know Ron... I have used him now for um, years. Uh, we met <laughs> in the White House, quite frankly. Did we not, sir? We did. We did. You got. I understand you got yourself a nice uh, West Wing tour. Yes. I saw yes. the Oval Office, maybe yep. had a little bite to eat at the old Abbott's <laughs> yeah, Grill. Yeah. Right? And my son, who you're tight with, was asleep on the floor and on the carpet right outside the Oval Office. The V-man was catching a couple Zs. <laughs> Which, by the way... I think there's a significance to that, my man. And we talked about this. We were just talking about Vince. There's something about children that actually gives us perspective on what's important. Dad, I'm hungry. I don't care about this Oval Office thing. Right? Yeah, that's right. So probably 1% of 1% of the United States or really the population of the world gets a chance to walk up to the uh, Oval Office and we're listening to I'm hungry and I want some French fries, right? Right. <laughs> and, and I say this all the time, and I think it's relevant, man. 
my son teaches me more things than I'll ever be able to teach him. And I think what we have learned with kids is they're more resilient than we are. Uh, they handle pain better in many cases. Uh, I've been on cancer, cancer wards where they're throwing footballs. And um, race, they, they don't know racism. They, they just don't. Somehow, if we could insulate them from these learned experiences that don't benefit them, we'd all be better off, don't you think? I, I do. And, you know, it's an interesting thing is that a, as we learn, learning is sometimes a, a, a two-edged sword. You know, um, God bless my mom, but one of the things that she taught me is that as you get older, you want to be able to, to take a look at both sides of an issue and learn everything that you can, then you kind of decide from for yourself. But don't ever just take and understand one side of a particular issue. You'd be a lot better for it. And, and that served me well, you know, throughout my career and throughout life. And, you know, just, just have a better understanding of the way that other see, people see things. And if we could do a good job of teaching our kids that um, as they grow up and surely learn about division and race and one thing or another, you get a chance to, you know, they, they, if they could overlay that lens on their upbringing, it would probably be a good thing. Ron Layton, we've been good friends for years now, and uh, I, I got to tell you his background. I think it's significant as we get into this conversation. So people know this, Ron. You s served under, worked with, worked for four different presidents. So do you mind getting into a little bit of that? Yeah, so uh, I'm a Homewood uh, kid, born and raised in, in Pittsburgh, bounced around a little bit. But uh, uh, when I joined the government, joined the Secret Service, uh, I started in Philadelphia. I was there for about seven years, but I got to uh, the Presidential Protective Division. That's what it's called. Those are the uh, women and men who proudly and patriotic—I can't speak this morning—stand uh, uh, next to the president. Right. So uh, started with Bill Clinton, and then uh, from Bill Clinton uh, went to uh, to George Bush, right around the 9/11 uh, time frame, mm. um, and then with uh, Barack Obama. In between, had to do a couple of uh, assignments in headquarters like everybody does if you want to try to get yourself into the supervisory track and then came back uh, for Mr. Trump. So that's that's four, four presidents. Man. Uh, and so people understand the depth of your knowledge because it's impressive to me. He does not brag about these things, quite frankly. You have to do this research on your own because he's more humble than most folks I've ever known. You have two PhDs, right? Um, I do. I've got a, uh, I've got a doc in electrical engineering and another doc in business administration so I've got uh, I've got 20 years of education after my bachelor's degree it's a lot of school and, and am I wrong here you have is it an eighth degree black belt seventh degree I apologize for being stupid yeah on if, if uh, well if you're gonna make me talk about it yeah I've got I've got two uh, eighth degree black belts one in karate and one in jiu-jitsu and um, you quite frankly are a local guy at the heart of your soul. You love the Berg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh's my home. And, uh, you know, all, all the black belt stuff aside, the, the, the thing that was important about that and that I tell young people is that everyone needs some type of a vehicle to help you kind of get through life because you can't do it on your own. You, you need people. Um, you need circumstances. Uh, you need to learn how to make appropriate choices. And a lot of that, for me, the foundation of that came through uh, martial arts life. Yes, there's the structure and discipline and rigor and things that you learn, but it's the people who show up. And this, for me, started in, in, in Homewood. People like uh, uh, Joe DeMar, Bill Bryce, Curtis Smith. I mean, those are the people who uh, kind of show you how you should do little things like interact with people, 
um, how to speak in front of people, all of that kind of stuff that you end up getting out of a martial arts program that ultimately I've been, you know, been able to pass on to many hundreds of people over my almost 50 years in, in, in the martial arts. So well, martial arts was a vehicle to learn how to do that. It could be other stuff, but for me, that's what it was. Without getting into great detail, because it might not be uh, something you're interested in talking about, right? you did were able to use your martial arts while serving presidents, right? I, I, I have, and on more than... Uh, had to. Than, had to, and on more than one occasion. Okay. Right. And, and pretty serious touch-and-go situations. Well, you, you, you know, if you're going to do that job, you, you are charged with... The thing that's a little different about the Secret Service is that, you know, most law enforcement officers, uh, you find yourself in these situations where you've, you've got to assess a situation, and on the rare occasions that you have to make an arrest, you've got to do that. And, and the truth is, arrests are reasonably rare uh, as compared to the number of police contacts, mm. right? Yeah. So people don't look at it that way, but it's just look at the numbers uh, and you'll see. The thing that's different about the service is that everything is kind of built to protect one person. And it may mean uh, that you may have to put yourself in harm's way uh, to shield that person from some imminent threat. And that's, that's kind of the deal. That's what we all sign up for. And um, that's what we all, that's how we patriotically discharge our duty. Marty Griffin, I, uh, I, I get, find myself uh, kind of soaked in debilitating frustration and a, a bit of anger when I heard these congressional hearings with the Capitol Police officers who, quite frankly, are jacked up over what happened uh, on January 6th. Uh, and I got really mad this morning when I read that congressional Republicans refused to give them congressional gold medals for acts of valor on those days. And that might be all politics and there might be some minutia to it, but I honestly wanted to punch a wall. And this is compounded by severe angst I'm having over a number of suicides uh, with Capitol Police officers since uh, January 6th. And, <clears throat> and then add to that, as my boy Billy points out, when I post that, I get these rude comments about cops and their dedication and maybe they have other problems, and you know they they drink, and you know they're not good people. And man, I just we've sunk to a new low with how we've decided not to respect these men and women that put their lives on the line fighting Americans. And there's no one I know in this country that has better insight than Ron Layton, and I'm lucky to have him today. I'm feeling all sorts of emotions about this, and I know you are as well. Get to the root of it for you emotionally. Some of the things I'm talking about, your take on how Americans are now actually lashing out against these police officers, sir. Yeah, it's 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 troubling. I mean, just from a high level perspective, if you take a look at some of the things that have gone on, just go back 20 years or so. You have seen one of the themes is that there's been a, an erosion of our most revered institutions, whether it's government uh, perhaps it's the church, it's other organizations, but things have happened to erode what I call their credibility, right? Um, some things fair, some things, of course, uh, not fair. So to move to the Capitol incident, you sit there and, and you watch, and it, it is surely the most documented uh, criminal activity in the United States history. I mean, we've never seen this kind of footage for what we saw on the 6th of January. 
And so when you start to merge politics and law enforcement, it is never a good outcome. Now, the truth is because, you know, federal organizations, just, just like state and local organizations, but it seems that it, it's, uh, it's highlighted with federal organizations. You've got to remember, you've got to go uh, to the Congress to get money, right? That, that's how budgets work in Washington, D.C. So that kind of immediately puts you into the realm of politics already. And, and, and then you, you take, again, erosion of institutions, the double-edged uh, sword of social media. People say things on social media that they would probably never say to you if they were in your face, right? And, and the thing is to get an eyeball, to get uh, a click, to get you've almost got to do something outrageous. You've got to say something outrageous to, to harness the attention of other people. So you've, and not only that, everybody has a device, right? And then everyone has, everyone has a narrative. There's an old saying, old biblical saying goes like this. We don't see things as we are. We see them as, 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 as a, or I'm sorry, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are, which means you, you bring your own opinions uh, to the table. And then again, what I was talking about earlier, you've lost that ability to see both sides of an issue. And so you, you're probably going to see, you know, another couple hundred of arrests for this. And this, this will be in the history books for the next 200 years, just like 9-11. And, you know, the whole notion of suicides. All right, uh, Marty Griffin, talking to Ron Layton, um, one of my good friends, um, we met, uh, I think, through texting, right? I mean, you're from Central Catholic, and we became close friends, honestly. And um, my family loves him. My friends love him. I, I love his honesty and his background and his work ethic and his uh, love for Pittsburgh. And um, quite frankly, his history at the White House is, is a book. Uh, two PhDs, um, worked under four presidents, and you have uh, intense background knowledge on Capitol Police in the inner workings. I'm, I'm deeply upset by the number of suicides, Capitol Police recently. And look, everybody doesn't have all the answers or, or maybe none of the answers, Ron, but you have as much insight as anyone. Do you connect the dots in your head between this dramatic increase in recent suicides and what happened on January 6th? So here's the way that I, I connect the dots. What happens is, particularly when a law enforcement officer takes his or her own life, when you start to peel the layers of the onion back. And, I, and I'm not just talking from a book that I read. Uh, over my time in Secret Service, uh, 26 years, I've had uh, about 10 friends take their life. Oh. And uh, also, you know, uh, as I got into Ten this, suicides, Secret Service members. Uh, yeah, Secret Service members and, and members that I worked with from other departments. Wow. But 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 primarily, uh, you know, our, our own people. Wow. Um, so... When you st and I knew them intimately. I mean, I, they were yeah, good, yeah. good friends. And so, what what you start to realize is that there are a series of unaddressed underlying issues. You know, it could be things like depression, it could be things like alcoholism, it could be things like uh, very poor family relations. You, you know, the divorce rate is, is is quite high. But the point is, is that you've got all of these unaddressed issues, and what that does is it pushes officers closer and closer and closer to the edge. So with specific regard to the Capitol incident, if you had a series of officers that were already kind of teetering on the edge and then they came to work that day, that might have been the incident that pushed them over the top. 
So to a, a sideline observer, you go, what the hell happened here? Right, right. What you don't realize is that there were all of these things in the background that they were already, uh, and I hate to use this word, but they were already vulnerable to this type of event, and you just didn't know it. But so, what, I'm, what I'm confused about, because obviously, why would I not agree with everything you're saying? But why would this particular incident push them? Was it they were, was it because they were fighting Americans? Was it because some of the real haters made them the bad guys? Was it because they were the big heroes? We backed the blue, and then all of a sudden they weren't. Was it because of some of the Trump rhetoric? What what was it, man? So the the answer is yes. It it, it could have been all of those things that you cited. But the truth is, for those officers that took their life, and you you can't say with any um, 100% specificity, but if they had all of those underlying issues, and I'm sure that they, they, they did, it could have been something else that was less public. It could have been a bad shooting, or it could have been, you know, you know some officers, you yourself can be assaulted trying to make an arrest. It could have been an event of significant emotional consequence. It happened to be a riot. But these events of, of, of consequence emotionally, if you're already on the edge, can push you off off the edge. And, th- and that's it. And so what happens is there's a tendency to say that event is what did it, not realizing that there was a bunch of stuff behind that that most folks just didn't know. Wow. Um, there's a new study out. Highest risk of suicide by any profession. Police officers. Is it everything you discussed? And then some, sir? It is. It's everything and then some. And, you know, the other things that we are, quite frankly, we're learning is that shift work just, fab, you know, flat out is not good for you. You know, if you're working midnights and maybe you sleeping for four or five hours a day, it is not good for you. Uh, of course, you, uh, you, you, you compound that with a culture that is incredibly insular. So what happens is, Cops have a tendency to only be friends with other cops. And that's a very, very narrow view of the world. That's not necessarily a good thing. So you take that, you take, um, you know, some of the, think about what a police officer might go through in the course of one shift versus what we see in other professions, right? When you engage people, you engage them when they are at their absolute worst. Right. Well, if you did that for 12 hours a day for 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, do you think that that might have an effect on you? Of course it does. And then throw in all of the other stuff, the uncertainty, the shootings, uh, the the suicides, uh, the, to, quite honest, not eating right, not sleeping right. After a while, by the time, if you start this job when you're in your you know mid to late 20s, right. by the time you're 40, you have seen a lot of trauma. And, and the job does not do, uh, the culture does not do well at these things that I just call like, you know, check-ins just to make sure that what's going on in between your ears is still functioning properly, right? So I, I've said this for years. The cop that has 15 years on the job is completely different than the cop that has 15 months on the job. Now, some of that, it's just the way that the job progresses. You learn more, you've seen more, you become more skilled but you have also received more trauma. Let me read this uh, from one of my boys, a a true insider here locally, who I rely on almost daily. It's stress, extreme stress. You worry because if you don't do everything exactly like you're supposed to, you may lose your job. If you get fired from a police job, you're not getting another one. Your career is over. You see stuff. I remember the first time I watched a shooting victim die. 
there's a split second where you watch the pupils just pop and get big. It sends a chill through you. It's what you're saying, right? It's exactly what I'm saying. And, and so that, that's one singular event that right. that officer, of course, will never, ever uh, forget. But what happens if I stack three or four of those up over the course of a few years? It, it affects you and it changes you. And, and so that's why I say the officer with 15 years on, if there was a trauma scale, that officer with 15 years on is blinking red versus the officer with 15 months on. Well, guess what? Everyone physiologically is built a little differently. So some people may be blinking red at five years, may take others 25. But the point is, is that everyone has a breaking point and you've got a confluence of all of these other factors that go into play, right? And, and, and some folks just, um, they don't adapt well enough to be able to make it. Ron Layton joining me, um, served under four presidents. Uh, so you know this, he really enjoyed uh, Donald Trump, found him to be uh, charismatic and charming, uh, and kind of understood early on, we would text why he was having success, quite frankly. He filled the room with his charm. Uh, when we come back, uh, why do Americans seem to resent cops now? All of them. And what do cops do to respond, and can we make different changes to save them? Save their lives in some cases. Don't miss it. Hang in there. Ron uh, Layton joining me. Uh, served under four presidents in the Secret Service. The stories are amazing. Quite frankly, you liked all the presidents. You really did and admired them and respected what they were doing. Did you not, sir? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, I did like, I liked all of them. But here's the thing. Um, even if I didn't, it wouldn't have mattered. That's right. Because the job is you are serving that president. And, 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 you know, the overarching comment is you're serving and protecting the office of the president. That's the deal. You take an oath to the Constitution, and it's pretty cut and dry with me. But, yes, I did like – I liked all of them. And, and what happens is on that job, you know, the, the American people are, are really people globally because the American president is such an iconic figure. You see them on television – that, that's how you, you do it, right? Or maybe you hear them on the radio or something like that. But it's different when you see them in person and you see everything that goes on behind the scenes and you see the stressors that they go through and you see how they are, the age and dog years, right? They, mm-hmm. look, like, uh, they look like they're 20 years older when they, when they, they leave. I office. saw that with Bush and I saw that with Obama. Yeah, I mean, you got to... Clinton always kind of had gray hair. But, but the stressors that, that they deal with are... Um, are are much worse than I think just the general population would 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 understand. That's why I always get a little irritated with really any American that says, "Well, what's he done?" When you really you have no idea what that daily schedule looks like. No, I agree None. with you, man. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
Farts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.